Good morning and happy Sabbath. Good to be with you once again. And those of us that are joining online, welcome to you as well. Let's begin with a word of prayer. Let's pray. Father, what a blessing it is to not only be with you, but be with each other on this blessed Sabbath day. Father, as we take a look and as we continue on with this series, specifically taking a look at why the second coming is so important to us, we ask that you give us the mind, the heart to listen for your voice. Guide us as we go together through this subject and as we look for you and as we listen to your voice in and through all things. This is our prayer in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, the day had finally come. People were very excited. And a little group gathered together on the Miller farm. But there were groups scattered all over the U.S. that were doing the same exact thing. These groups were so excited because they knew that Jesus was going to be coming that day. So that morning or the night before, families started preparing, started getting their best clothes ready, started taking that once a month bath. Aren't we glad that we can take a shower more than just once a month now? Started getting ready for that special day. The morning came, they started getting together, they started to encourage each other, saying, Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. Are you excited about this fact? Where other people around them started doing exactly what the people of Noah's day did to him and his family. Started going around looking at these groups saying, So, what are you really waiting for? Didn't you hear Jesus really isn't coming? And they, these little groups would look at these people and say, no matter how much you scoff at us, no matter what you tell us, we believe that our best friend is coming to take us home. The afternoon came. Still no Jesus. But the groups were excited in the fact that they knew their Bible, they knew their best friend. And they knew that he was going to be coming. Evening came. Still no Jesus. Well, that's okay. He said he was coming. He's still going to come. Night comes. The next morning comes. Still no Jesus. What are we supposed to do now? We've told people that he was coming to take us home. And now people are going to make fun of us with what we were going to, with the very fact of the message that we were saying. And because of this mentality, people started leaving. But there was still a small group that said, you know, 
it's okay. We got the date wrong because we were wrong. We weren't supposed to be setting dates anyway. Our best friend still is going to come, and we will wait for him. A couple weeks after that, someone came up to William Miller, and in jest they said, Ha! You were waiting, but you were waiting for nothing. Did you not get it? Jesus did not come. He will not come. You don't know who he is. William Miller looked at them and he said, I know the truth of this, that it doesn't matter how long my, my best friend may tarry. I will live today, today, today until he comes. Isn't that what it's all about? That's what God, that's what Jesus calls us to live for, to live today, today, today until he comes. Because when we take a look at the second coming, what we miss is too often we look at the second coming and go, oh yes, finally I will be free of this world. When we forget that a thousand years after that, we're going to be coming back to this earth. Earth made new. The second coming is not about an escape. It's about a culmination of an eternal friendship that starts now. That's what God wants us to get. Let's take a look at our text together today. We're, going, we're focusing on John chapter 14 and verses 1 through 6. John chapter 14, looking at verses 1 through 6. Remember, the previous chapter, Jesus gave the best picture of what true love and true friendship is all about. Being willing to say, it's not about me, it's about you. And I want to give you an example of how I want you to go forward. But John chapter 14 and verse 1 says this, it says, Do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. You know, so often we look at that verse and we go, our hearts are fine. Our hearts wouldn't be shaken by the fact that Jesus didn't come because we've got his words. We know what, we're, what we stand on. But Jesus is specifically addressing the disciples because he gave some news saying, listen, Peter, not only are you going to deny me three times, but every single one of you is going to leave me. And so they're scared. They don't know what to do. They don't know what to think. But Jesus comes back to them and says, listen, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. Calm down. Hey, you believe in God, don't you? Remember who I am. Believe in me. Verses 2 and 3. 
in my Father's house are are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have not told you. For I go to prepare a place for you. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Amazing that first first section, we have many translations where it says, in my Father's house there are many, what's some of the translations that we have? Are many what? Mansions, dwelling places. What else do we have? Rooms. What's interesting with this is when you take a look at the original language with the word that we translate as mansion, it's actually not translated as mansion. It's translated specifically as either dwelling place or rooms. The whole idea that Jesus is throwing out here is he's saying, hey, I love you so much and you are such a close friend of mine that not only do I want to invite you home, but I am going to go and I'm going to build a room for you. Not in my house, in my father's house. To show you how important the connection with the three of us is. But even more than that, and this is something that the disciples would have already grasped upon, is the whole idea of what happens at the point of engagement before the marriage ceremony happens, where the groom goes back, not to build his own place, but goes back to his parents' house and builds a room onto his parents' house for them. And however long it takes, the bride is waiting, waiting anxiously for the groom to come back so that they can have that ceremony. Disciples have this picture in their minds as Jesus is painting this for them. Jesus is saying, I'm going, but I will return again. Here's something that we often forget about. And we too often like to say this. He's coming in our time where it should be, we should change our language and remember that God does not come in our time. He comes in His time. Because when when He comes in His time, It's at the perfect time. The first coming, if you look at what was going on during that time, Jesus came at the perfect time in history for the message to be established. If he had come a little sooner or a little bit later, in our minds it would have not been the right time. The same thing goes with the second coming. It will happen at the right time in history. God does not delay, but He wants that friendship to be established. 
one thing that we we understand as people, but we forget as Adventists and even more as Christians, when it comes to a friendship, I have to spend time with you to get to know you, right? I can't just look at a list and say, oh, okay, I know this person, but I, no, no, I don't need to spend time with them. A lot of people get that idea with the second coming and with a relationship with Jesus, where I can know the facts and I can know about him and I'll still go home. But here's a question for us this morning. If I know the facts and I know about him, but I don't know him, why would I want to go home with him? If I'm going to spend eternity with him, but that relationship's not there. One person once put it this way, that would be the ultimate hell itself. Because I, I'm not wanting to be around him. I spend the time, we spend the time around the people that we do because they're our friends. Because we love them. You don't, you don't see us spending time with someone that's always going to be hitting us, calling us names. We don't do that. We want to spend time with people that continue to build us up. And that's what Jesus is getting at. Yet again, we've had this, we've had this time together. I love you. You're my friends. I'm not going to do something without you knowing about it. And so, in order for me to come back to take you home, I have to go away. But know this. I will come again. But here's what I love with this, this promise. Every single time that Jesus promises something every single time that God promises something. Not only does he establish it on his namesake, but he throws in the I am. Throwing in that promise that because of who he is, it is sure, it is founded on the solid rock of eternity. And that's why we can claim this saying, no matter what happens, I know that he will come again. I know that he will take me home because he is my best friend. Not just in fact and on list, but in reality. And even more than just that, it's not just that I know that he's my best friend. When others see me, they see his radiance shining off of me. Just like Moses coming down from Sinai and they had to cover his face. That bright. But he continues on. Continues on in verse 4. Verse 4 says this. It says, And you know the way where I
There's a reason why we were given the Bible. To know the way home. From Genesis to Revelation, you find the second coming. It doesn't matter where you look, the evidence of home is. But not only that, when God gives that promise saying, you know the way, he's not saying, you've got your map, you find your way home. He's saying this, he's saying, you know the way because I am with you. I am right by your side guiding you home. I love that. When he promises that, he's going to see us through. But not only that, not only is he walking beside us, more often than not, probably about 98.5% or more than that, he's carrying us all the way home. See, how does that song go? All the way my Savior leads me. What do we have to worry about? In this life, in the life to come, when we know the very fact of knowing our best friends gives us the assurance that he will do what he said he would. But there's always that one person that has to ask what everyone else is thinking. Verse 5, verse 5, Thomas comes up. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going. How do we know the way? Poor Thomas. You know, so often we keep throwing out that we say, Thomas, Thomas the what? The doubter. Thomas has gotten such a bad rap over the years. Where what's interesting about Thomas is Thomas is the only one that actually is willing to speak his mind. And we say that he's doubting. It takes true faith to step forward and say, here it is. I don't understand. Can you explain this to me? And that's not doubt. That's what God wants us to be doing. To... Show people that, yes, we are still human. Yes, we still have our faults. We still have our failures. But we still know how to go forward in God's grace. Admitting that we don't know everything, but God does. And not only does God know everything, He paved the way to glory. Which I love this. In Revelation where it talks about that that foundation was even before anything ever happened. Which still boggles my mind. Hopefully he'll explain that a little bit more in eternity. But I know this. I don't have to worry about that because I know my best friends. Here's how Jesus responded to Thomas. Verse 6 says this. It says, Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth 
and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Giving that picture yet again, even before anything ever was, Jesus was. The three were together always in harmony. And Jesus shows that picture yet again of what a true best friend is. In the times of having GPS and Siri and other things, we still get lost. No matter what you try, the GPS has a mind of its own. You want to go here, it tells you to go there. But Jesus says today, no matter what happens, no matter what technology might do, no matter what new map may come out, because I am who I am and the fact that I am your best friend, I will never change. And This is what I love. Even though these map programs, these computer programs need updates, Jesus will never need an update because he stays the same then and forevermore. That's what the second coming even more is all about. It's not, like we said before, it's not just about the information. Like we seem to hold with a lot of different doctrines talking the information, but we forget that it goes hand in hand with the relation. If you don't have information with relation, we cannot go forward. Let's say it again. The second coming is all about that eternal friendship with Him. That friendship that even before we ever were, he knew who we would look like. He had our picture already framed. Going, I can see it. Going up to an angel, going, hey, come here, come here. See this person? You're going to be taking care of that person. They're one of my best friends. But we need to mention this. When it comes to the second coming, when it comes to that eternal friendship, God does not force any of us into it. It must be our choice. Which honestly, it's one of the best choices we could ever make. One of the only choices that we can make because every other thing is built on that. But it doesn't matter whether we're talking about creation or salvation or his death on the cross. If Jesus is not at the center of every single thing that we believe in, it's me. So this afternoon, as we get ready to sing our closing hymn, hymn number 214, we have this hope. I want to leave you with this question. 
question is this. What is it going to take for us today to strengthen that eternal relationship so that when others see us, they truly see him?